Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv episode 23. I'm George. And I'm Tyler. Seems kind of funny not having to say that as soon as I hear you to time it out on Skype. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a pretty good delay in there. And if you notice, Peter's not with us this time, although we do have a segment from him. He was uh, attending a ham fest in, I, I hesitate to pronounce it, Wyong, maybe? <laughs> W-Y-O-N-G? I'll buy that. Okay, close <laughs> enough. <laughs> that's the way we say it in Mississippi, anyway. But uh, I'm sure he'll correct us uh, next episode. Well, it's been a long time since we've uh, produced an episode here. How how was your uh, summer vacation, Tom? <laughs> it, it was really long. <laughs> yeah, mine was too. And uh, there were some pretty cold yeah. cold spots in there through my summer yeah. vacation. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, yeah. New Year's, long summer. <laughs> anyway, we're back with a new episode and uh, got a few things to cover this time around. We just attended the uh, annual Capital City Ham Fest here in Jackson. Yeah, that's always a a prime event to shoot some video. Oh, it is. And <laughs> and we shot a little bit while we were there. Yeah. They had a record attendance this year. Um, more than 1,150 attended. They only had 1,150 tickets printed, I think, so that's where they lost count. Oh, wow. That's pretty, I know there were quite a few people there, a lot yeah, more than It was pretty years. crowded uh, at, at certain times, uh, you know, and then it cleared out a little bit, you know, as the evening went on. Uh, we also ran into an old friend there. Yeah. Howdy, stranger. Hi. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen you. Uh, yeah, it has. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've been around. They don't let me out of the, uh, they don't let me off the farm too much, uh, out of the institution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was your ham fest? Well, it was, it was disappointing, actually. <laughs> Really? You didn't sell what you brought? I uh, didn't sell anything, but I think that's about the par for the course this year. We didn't, we didn't, I, I take it back, we did sell a couple of things, a couple of minor, a couple of small things. I sold a few things, and not everything, though, that I brought. What did you buy? You know, I didn't buy anything, and it's, it's crazy because uh, I had money this year. You think they're going to let you out of the door when you leave here? <laughs> No, no, I still have money, so no, I'm sure they probably won't let me out. <laughs> well, good to see you, Jim. Likewise, likewise. Well, while we had Jim handy, we went ahead and put a mic in his hand and convinced him to go out and do an interview for us, yeah. for old time's sake. <laughs> Mr. Terry Drake, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. For those who don't know, uh, Terry is the president of the Jackson Amateur Radio Club and chairman of this year's Ham Fest, right? <laughs> yes, sir, I am. How did, how did you manage to wind up with that duty? Uh, I think I didn't step back fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a great Ham Fest. It's been a great year. You did a great job. So did the rest of the club, I'm sure. Oh, it's really, really been a good show. We've had a, a lot of people come out. Um, you know, Ham Fest, is, part of it is uh, about selling your old stuff and getting new stuff, and uh, part of it is about meeting all your friends again and uh, socializing. And You know, it's just, a good, it's just a good wholesome event. Uh, 
very true because you know one of my one of my sayings or one of my philosophies I guess you'd say is is this is all it's not junk but it's all uh, it's all sharing it's all about sharing if if I've got uh, some uh, equipment around the house that I don't use or abuse anymore uh, bring it up here and put $25 on it and let the next guy play with it. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what it's all about. You know, it, it's like the old saying, one man's junk's another man's treasure. Uh, you know, I, I've seen guys walking around here looking and uh, pick up a part, and, man, I need this for my radio, or, uh, you know, I'm going to build so-and-so out of this. And, and, and you know, it, ham radio's got something for everybody. You know, you got guys that are builders. you got guys that are plug-and-play people. Uh, you know, and, and everybody has a good time with it. Well, did you buy or sell a lot of stuff this year? Uh, well, actually, uh, I was helping a friend of mine, uh, sort of an estate sale sort of thing, and uh, sold some stuff for them, and, of course, couldn't help it. I had to buy a new antenna or two and, you know, this sort of thing. And, and uh, But it was fun. I understand, yeah. Well, we did, too, and we're still hanging around for some of those great door prizes. I think, uh, what, what have we still got left to go to give away? Well, I know we have the big, uh, the big radio that's uh, FT-857, and... Uh, I think we still got an antenna analyzer and maybe a Yezu HT left. Right. Or is that a Yezu what? I think it is an HT. It's a VX3R, I believe. And, uh, okay. you know, the MFJ uh, antenna analyzer, you know, we try to support those folks. They're, they're, they're Mississippi people, so uh, we, try to, we try to do something with the, their products. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They're one of the big supporters of the show, and uh, we're one of their big supporters as well. But Terry, uh, do you guys have any preliminary numbers or stats on this year's Ham Fest or how many attended or anything such as that? Uh, well, we, we won't know for sure until sometime next week, you know, once we get home and do all the figuring and everything. Uh, however, uh, you know, last night we had a large crowd in here starting about 6.30, uh, it surprised a lot of us, you know. We weren't really expecting it with the economic times being what they are, you know. Uh, we, we were sort of looking to be down a little bit, but we're, we're at least where we were last year, probably, uh, you know, maybe even, a, maybe even a third or so up from that. So, you know, it, it's been real impressive. That's great. That's great. I know it's always uh, a big benefit to the JARC to do well at this event. Terry, thanks for taking out time to talk to us and uh, share a little about this year's Ham Fest. We appreciate your efforts and the JARC efforts very much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It, you know, it's a it's a team effort. You know, it's it's not a one man show, and uh, we uh, we enjoy putting it on. Uh, thank you, Jim. You bet. But we didn't shoot uh, any videos of uh, the sessions this year or what was actually on the swap tables, but they did have some good stuff there. Yeah, they was, had some really good stuff. The usual vendors were there. MFJ was there, like always. Yeah. And uh, tons of swap swap tables. Had some great old gear. Oh, yeah. I like looking at all that stuff. The old Collins and the old Drake and the Swans. And uh, I even saw a couple of pieces of uh, old Collins gear there that I might could have afforded, but I could only afford the transmitter or the receiver, not both. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't go there. Um, there was a guy there selling um, Boston Acoustics uh, HD radios, little uh, tabletop uh, stereo HD radios. Yeah. For 25 bucks a piece, they were returns to Radio Shack, and 
I bought one of those. Yeah, I wish I'd have known. I missed out on those. I did see them, but I didn't go over and check them out very close. Yeah. I realized what they were. I'd have picked one of those up myself. Yeah, I, I got home and looked it up, and, you know, it lists for like two ninety nine or something like that. Wow, you and, got a pretty good bargain. Yeah, I didn't get the 12-volt power supply or the remote control for it. Yeah, but the only problem was a little F connector on the back wiggled a little, so I soldered it down good uh, to the frame. And uh, heck, 25 bucks, I've got an HD radio yeah. uh, FM. Is there anything to listen to on it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> in Mississippi right now, the only uh, stations broadcasting in HD are the state-owned public radio network, and they've got a couple of HD channels on there. Well, I'll probably find another deal on one before some more programming comes out. Yeah, you probably will, because <laughs> I was talking with my buddy over at Clear Channel the other day, and they had uh, in their budget to go HD on some of their stations here this year, but uh, that got canceled, so uh, it's going to be a while. Yeah, I'm sure they'll get around to it eventually. Uh, there was a lot of other great stuff there. Um, the usual assortment of old antenna parts, old rigs. Uh, I saw a lot of, lot of decent uh, old rigs for sale. Yeah. And some not so old. A lot, lot of parts for sale. Yeah. That's pretty much all I bought this year. A little voltmeter and a big old bag full of parts mm -hmm. and the usual antenna connectors I always have to get. Yeah. It's not a ham fest without a bag of PL259s. <laughs> yeah, that's what you say every year. Yeah, <laughs> I get them every year. <laughs> and, you know, um, since the last ham fest, I lost an old friend. It's my Radio Shack <laughs> FETVOM. <laughs> oh, I, I was working on a guitar <laughs> amplifier one night and pulled on the test leads too far and it uh, hit the ground and it broke the little hairspring uh, on the uh, meter movement in there. I tried soldering it back. That's oh, just man. too delicate. So. Anyway, I ran across <laughs> a guy there selling uh, Simpson 260s. He had a wide range of them. And, uh, I bought the best looking one I could find there. It's still nice and shiny, and I've used it several times yeah. since uh, I bought it. Yeah, it looks new. I saw those there on that table. They had quite a few of them. Yeah, you should have got one, man. Nothing like analog uh, voltmeter. Yeah, you kind of threw me when you said you lost an old friend. I was trying to figure out who that was. <laughs> um, let's see, what else was there? Well, I, I bought a couple other things. I, I got that uh, 260, I got the HD radio. But uh, also, I ran across a friend there who was selling some old uh, Aphex rack gear, and I bought uh, four pieces of that for a real good price. Oh, yeah, you got a steal on that. You got a tube type uh, preamp, mic preamp, uh, parametric EQ, uh, RL exciter, and an expressor, a compressor limiter uh, for a real low price. And uh, haven't put those on the air yet, although I, I already run a. Uh, model 104 RL Exciter. Yeah. So I knew knew what it was and knew it was something I liked. Yeah, that thing sounds good on the air. Yeah, I like it. I've got a new secret weapon on the air, too, that I've just resurrected over the uh, weekend, but <clears throat> we're not going to talk about that this episode. Uh, we'll cover that in a future one. So it was a great ham fest. Uh, I even took some stuff and sold this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You remember we used to have the old... Uh, dual band link set up. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we had a, a VHF, UHF link set up for years and years and it's been down for a good while now so I decided to uh, uh, 
go get the parts and sell off some of it. So I sold the VHF and UHF uh, bandpass filters that I had on there to keep the intermod out. And, and just some other uh, items I had around the shack here. You know, I've never really taken anything to sell down there in a long time. Yeah. I, I didn't get so much this year. Actually, I didn't sell anything. I moved twice in the last two years, so I pretty well cleaned out. When I was moving, I eBayed a lot of things like that, yeah. so I just didn't have much to take this time. Yeah. I sold almost everything I took, which was, was good. You know, I needed to get rid of the stuff. I wasn't using it anymore. Oh, yeah. So I more or less swapped my old junk to somebody else's. When it, when it was all said <laughs> and done, I think I spent $50 cash. And, yeah. You know, the rest was uh, you, from myself. You probably got just enough stuff to fill up the spot you cleared off on uh, the show. Well, actually. <laughs> a little more? I got a little more, I'm afraid. <laughs> Well, while we were there, we ran across a, a guy uh, from one of the local schools here in Ridgeland, the town I live in. Old Town Middle School has a club that specializes in amateur radio, robotics, and technology. And uh, we talked with him a little bit just to see what the club was about. We're talking with Bill Richardson, N5VEI of the Old Town Middle School Robotics, Radio, and Technology Club. And that's in Ridgeland, Mississippi, my hometown. Bill, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you. Uh, what what does the Robotics Radio and Technology Club do? Uh, we focus on really three areas, computers, robotics, and ham radio. And we have got um, three or four children, students, eighth graders, seventh graders that focus on robotics, three or four more that work on the ham radio, and then we have a few that are PC oriented that they build computers, tear them down and tinker and, and, and network computers. And uh, the kids this age seem to, to really be into that kind of thing? Cell phones, are, cell phones are a little problem, but the technology actually getting their hands on really, really helps. Um, the robotics helps because they can assemble, look at the, um, the, the PC oriented stuff from a, from a circuit level, and they get their hands, you know, into it and they get to use the computer to program and so forth. The ham radio has just really caught on because when they learn they can hear people from around the world, it really, it really helped. And several of them actually put down the robots just for the, uh, the ham radio. And so we've, they've gone over now and switched over. And uh, we actually had one student today test and pass his test, uh, pass his technician test. So we're real, real motivated. Well, that's great. I see on the robotics here, it looks like you're using parallax stuff. Basic stamp, is that? Yes, it's a uh, basic stamp 2. It's a parallax bobot, and it's uh, BS2, basic stamp 2. And the students assemble these kits themselves? They, they assemble the two on the outside, but the middle is, is a teacher that I, I attended, the ARRL Teacher Institute. And it, uh, it's kind of a teacher robot, I guess, because I got a board that they don't have. But yes, the, the students assemble the other two. We have, we have five kits in total for the students that, uh, that we got, and they've assembled them from the ground up. So do any of them uh, write the programs for the uh, uh, robots, or do they come with programs that you run no. already? Uh, they're, already, they're in the manuals, but I don't let them cut and paste. Uh, we actually want to make them write the programs, but they do have guides instruction booklets and the examples are there. Um, in a few weeks we're going to try to get them to program to run through a maze. So, you know, it, it'll work. It's just, it's trying to get them motivated, and it's, but it's fun for them. Well, uh, on the uh, amateur radio side of the club, do you have a station there at the school set up? 
We do. The Jackson Amateur Radio Club donated a Kenwood 180, um, and we've running a vertical outside the building and we've been operating for about four weeks now and I'm also we're also the recipient of the ARRL ETP grant so we'll be getting a station a brand new station this year care of the league and uh, we'll have be a, I think it's a Yesu FT 450 and so we'll we'll be a full full operating station we've got two meter 440 everything so we're operational well, that's great. I'll have to come by one day and uh, take a look at the station and see what's actually going on at the school. Be glad to have you. Be glad to have you. Is there anything else you can tell us about uh, the club we haven't uh, discussed already? Really, all I would do is encourage uh, teachers and te technology people that are in the school district to really uh, go to the ARRL, try to get resources from them, and integrate it into their curriculum because once the principals and parents see that the kids are into the technology they're real real supportive and it, it just it has to work from the ground up but we need it in our schools we desperately do I'll agree with you when I was coming up you know that's all the kind of stuff I liked and and I didn't have to be pushed in that direction but these kids today have so many distractions in other areas that uh, you know we need more scientists and technologists in this country that's right it's uh, we, we've got two or three kids that want to be engineers and several others but the biggest distractions are the cell phones and and other stuff but this will it's like I've told parents this will keep them out of trouble keep them at home doing the right thing so I really encourage teachers and parents and principals to get get involved and get this in your schools thanks for talking with us Bill thank you sir I appreciate it well on a related topic there was a news story out about uh, what used to be the amateur Cowboys radio club now it's uh, amateur radio youth association in New Mexico hmm. It was founded by uh, Dustin N0DRC, Jared KE5LZV, and Phil KE5LZX. Anyway, they're uh, they're looking for people to help out with their club, um, teachers, and faculty members, and so hmm. forth. They've got a, a website www.ke5rpv.org. If you're interested in helping out with them, you can go check out there, or you can join. There's a membership application tab on the top left of the page. Yeah, you know, we really need to concentrate on getting more uh, kids interested in the hobby and into it. When I was young, there, there were no hams in the little town I grew up in. But I, I still knew what ham radio was, and I had an interest in it, and I bought the ARRL manuals and, and all such as that. But I'm not sure a lot of the kids today even know it exists. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I noticed when we were at the Ham Fest this past weekend, that uh, most of the people there were our age or, or even older yeah. and a very few young people so it's really important to try to encourage the youth nowadays participate get licensed yeah because we will lose these frequencies if, if we don't keep our numbers up that's right and uh, speaking of amateur radio in general and the FCC in particular you know Raleigh's been gone for almost six months and uh, yeah he was a uh, head enforcement guy at the FCC that dealt with amateur radio. So we've just kind of been, uh, <laughs> well, running uh, wild here <laughs> for the past six it. months. And if, if you've listened <laughs> to the HF bands, any 80 meters particularly, <laughs> you, you might have caught on to that. Well, they finally appointed someone else. They appointed uh, Laura Smith. Um, she's going to be Riley's successor. And they think she's the right person. Um, 
she uh, said, you know, that amateur radio is self-policing, but, you know, the FCC still wants to uh, help us maintain civility, and uh, sometimes we need a stronger hand than just the amateurs ourselves can, yeah, absolutely. can uh, give, and, and that's where, you know, the FCC special counsel comes in. And she's not a ham. Although she does have the study guides. Now, whether or not she's studying, I don't know. But yeah, Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Anyway, you can visit with her at the Dayton Hamvention, which will be May 15th through 17th in Dayton, Ohio, of course. Yeah. yeah we welcome Laura, and I uh, uh, hope she enjoys her new position with the FCC. And we hope everybody will behave themselves <laughs> and, <laughs> and won't have to receive letters from her. Yes, no doubt. Tommy, you've got a, uh, a recall story there, don't you? I do. Radio Shack. Radio Shack's recalled some power supplies due to electrocution and fire hazards. Wow. That's not good. <laughs> no. Uh, the part numbers are, the Radio Shack catalog numbers, rather, are 22-507 and 22-508 with date codes of 08A04 through 01A08. And these are 13.8 volt DC power supplies. Um, they were sold at Radio Shack stores nationwide from October of 04 through January of 08. They were between 50 and 85 dollars. So, if you've got one of those, you may want to contact Radio Shack about the recall. Well, there's a new online ham radio magazine that's available for free now at this address. It's uh, from France, and of course. Uh, we don't read French or speak it, but there's also an English version available on the website at this address, and uh, I'd encourage you to go there and have a look. It's pretty nice, and it won't cost you anything. My well, price is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do a few emails, Tommy. Uh, sounds good. We've got quite a few since it's been a long time oh, since yeah. we've had a show. We, and this is, we won't even cover <coughs> half of the emails yeah. we've received. So. We've got an email from Hans in the Netherlands. Hans has the website www.ch73.net. I guess that stands for channel73.net. Hmm. He says the purpose of his website was to show videos of amateur radio material by, for, and about amateur radio um, he's also got some video feeds on there from Amateur Radio TV, and uh, you can find yours truly and his truly <laughs> on there. And uh, all the, the Trulies, yeah. <laughs> all the truly. So yeah. Amateur Logic episodes, I guess, are on there. I guess we've yeah. got them all up there by now. Yeah. So anyway, check that out. The website, again, is www.ch73.net. There's a couple of other uh, ham radio uh, TV websites, too, aren't there, that yeah. we've heard from? Uh, www.hamradiotube.com. That's sort. Of, I guess that's sort of a spin off or take off on uh, YouTube, yeah. sort of type thing. But totally amateur radio related. Check that out. And then we've got another one from Paul KC6QLS. He says he's developing a website for amateur radio operators, all about amateur radio on TV and/or the big screen. Said he saw our show on YouTube. Thought he'd send us a note and let us know about his site. The site is www.arprsd.org, and he says click on Amateur Radio Display and Amateur Radio Movies link. You can see the story about how the information started and how he got his site going on the December 2008 QST on page 100, so that'd be some interesting yeah, reading also. That, that was an interesting website. I went and looked at it, and he does have a lot of stuff on there about 
ham radio in the movies. Yeah. So cool. uh, yeah, we might swap a clip or two from there at some point. Yeah. Well, some, yeah, that's interesting. I know some of that stuff on the movies isn't too accurate. Yeah. That ham radio stuff. Well, um, I had an email here called Small World. And it's from a guy named Mike out in Irvine, California. He said, hi, George. I've been a big fan of the show called Amateur Logic. And I didn't put two and two together until I saw episode seven. Says, I'm finishing up my associate's degree in broadcast engineering through the Cleveland Institute of Electronics. And I always enjoy watching the shows, especially when you cover commercial radio equipment. And I thought, well... Well, <laughs> doesn't quite add up. And then I saw the PS down here. It also helped to explain that I work for KUCI, where we have used your uh, automation system for close to 10 years now. You yeah. remember those guys, Oh, Tom? yeah, I remember those guys very well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. It is a small world. It is. And I've got one from Chad says keep up the great work he's a big fan of the show he always enjoys the new episodes uh, he even has a link to amateurlogic.tv in his psk31 brag file uh, chad's call sign is km5qf cool i appreciate it chad and i've got an email here from uh, andy wb5tte who we spoke with last year at uh, the ham fest so he just got around to uh, watching episode 21, and he heard his name mentioned when we were reading emails. Uh, he says, please forward this information to Brian, KE7MMU, regarding the CW keyboard I held up in the introduction to the ham radio program at the Jackson Amateur Radio Club Ham Fest in February. So it, that, that was the uh, yeah. program we covered. I remember that. And I remember reading the email about the guy wanting to know what that device was. And he says it's an MFJ492X memory keyer and keyboard. It's from MFJ Enterprises. He says great little package if you don't want to drag along a computer. However, today, like you, I use programs like uh, Ham Radio Deluxe or MixW for digital modes and CW. So thanks, Andy, for that tip. Now we know what that mystery device was. <laughs> yep. Okay. I've I've got one from Randy, KB3IFH. He says uh, he was wondering if we would be doing an episode on Digital Master 780 anytime soon. He said it would be a great follow-up to our ham radio deluxe piece. Keep up the good work, guys. And actually, that's a great suggestion, and uh, I think we're going to probably take that one and run with it here sometime in the very near future. Yeah, I, I think so, that would be a great one. I've used yeah. the program myself. Yeah, it's a lot of great stuff in there. Oh, yeah, it really is. It covers <laughs> just about all the digital modes. Um, and I've got one other item here. This is from George, me. It's an email that I sent to you and Jim <laughs> a while back from uh, listening to a solder smoke episode. Uh, Bill, you know, has mentioned Gene Shepard several times. He was a radio host up in New York area, I believe. I'd highly suggest that you go to the Solder Smoke blog. It's at this address. And if you look around, you'll find links to three different Gene Shepard audio files that are on the Internet now, uh, files of his programs. And you may have to listen a few minutes before he gets into the good part of it, but you'll really love it. He's got some great ham radio stories in there. Yeah. Uh, really, really good stuff. It really take you back. And by the way, and, and did some research and uh, I found he is also in the movies. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, you remember uh, the movie A Christmas Story? Yeah, you shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. Well, he was a narrator and also one of the writers of that movie. Okay. I actually remember seeing his name. We watch that movie every yeah. year. Yeah, it's a good movie. <clears throat> okay, I've got one from Brian. I don't have Brian's call sign here. Oh, I do have it. KD8IIS. He said uh, he heard on the, one of the shows that we built an 80-meter in-fed antenna. Can you direct me to the episode that we did that on? Also, can you guide me to the plans for it or version of it? Any help would be much appreciated. Love the show. Thanks for making them. Please tell the others and keep them coming. Well, we're, we're working on that again, Brian, and keeping them coming. So, um, Actually, I'm using an off-center fed dipole antenna. Um, when I was up in Missouri, I, my lot was sort of small, so I had it in a bent mm -hmm. in a sort of an L configuration. It still worked pretty well. And... Uh, friend of mine in Atlanta told me about it, so I thought I'd try it. I've been pretty happy with it. And uh, here's the URL for the plans that I used to build it. Cool. It's, so it's not really an in-fed antenna. Uh, it's actually, well, so off-center fed, just a little yeah. bit from dead center. So Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't recall band. doing an in-fed 80 meter, but yeah, I think, I don't know we might have and just don't remember <laughs> it. You know, it's kind of short memory when you get our age, I guess. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm using a, a 40 meter off center fed dipole too myself. You had such good luck with it. Yeah, I really like it. It's very yeah. broad banded. Good general purpose antenna. Yeah. Well, Peter did a segment for us uh, for this episode, and it's on a warm spot. Like in the pool? Uh -huh. <laughs> Today I thought I'd try and build a warm spot. Now you're probably asking yourself, what's a warm spot? As I like to say, a warm spot is like a hot spot, but cooler. Now, you've probably accessed a, a hot spot at some point in time. Perhaps you've been to McDonald's, you've opened your laptop, there's been a captive portal web page there which you agree to the terms and conditions, and lo and behold, you're given some free internet access. A warm spot is kind of like the same idea, but without the internet access. And it's portable. The idea is that you provide information to people on a short-term local basis. Now, to implement this, I thought I'll use an old laptop running Windows and use that with a router and see if I can configure this to deliver a web page in much the same way that a hotspot does. For the demonstration purposes today, I'm going to use my standalone computer running Windows and I'm going to use this TP-Link uh, WR64, or sorry, TLWR642G wireless router, but probably any router would do the job. So let's get into the configuration. Now this is how I went about building my warm spot. The first thing I did was I made up a web page using Netscape Composer. I then created a subdirectory called c colon html and I called my web page index.html and put it into that subdirectory. Uh, any other web pages as, that you want to make as part of your, uh, your site could probably go into this subdirectory as well. I've got a, a picture of a train which is part of the web page uh, and that's also been put into the subdirectory. Now to implement my captive portal, 
uh, I would need a DNS redirection program. So what I did was I went to dnsredirector.com or rather www.dnsredirector.com and I downloaded a freeware program called DNS Redirector. This will redirect any DNS queries to an IP address of my choosing. When that program is installed, it installs itself to a subdirectory called C colon DNS REDIR. Now, there's a little bit of configuration needed here. What I did was I went to DNS REDIR.ini. Under simple DNS equals, I put simple DNS.txt. And under auth keywords file equals, I put authorized.txt. I then made up two text files. The first one, authorized.txt. Uh, I've just put in a star in there, that's all. And I've saved that. I've used Notepad to make the file, by the way. And using Notepad again, I've made up a file called simpledns.txt. And that simply contains one entry, which says 192.168.1.199, then a tab, and then a star. And that basically tells my DNS redirection program that I want all uh, queries to be redirected to that IP address. To deliver a web page through my captive portal, I needed a web server. So I went to www.aprelium.com. That's A-P-R-E-L-I-U-M.com. And I downloaded and installed that program. Once it's installed, one should have an icon on one's desktop which says Abyss Web Server. I then double clicked on that and I had a little flashy icon down in the bottom right hand part of my screen. If I right clicked on that and went to Show Console, uh, I log in. Uh, initially it might ask you for a username and or password, but I just click OK because I've already popped those in. And then I come to the Abyss Web Server console. To configure, I went to Configure, General, and under Documents Path, I put in C colon forward slash HTML. Effectively, what I'm doing there is telling the web server that my web page is stored in C colon HTML, and this is the web page that I want to deliver to anybody connecting to my warm spot. Click on OK, get out of that, uh, right click on the icon again and just exit to get out of that. The next thing I did was I gave my computer a static IP address. So I went to Start, Settings, Network Connections and found my local area connection. I right clicked on that, went down to Properties scrolled down to Internet Protocol TCP IP, clicked on Properties, and then I clicked on Use the following IP address, and I typed in 192.168.1.199 for my IP address, and gave myself a subnet mask of 255.255.255.0. So basically what I've done there is I've given my computer a static IP address of 192.168.1.199 clicked on OK and got out of that.
The final thing I did was I configured my router. I opened Internet Explorer. In the address field I typed 192.168.1.1 and I had to input a username and a password for my router, which is generally for TP-Link routers, admin and admin. And now I'm in the uh, router settings uh, part. I then went to network, WAN, scrolled down, ticked use these DNS servers, and under primary DNS I put 192.168.1.199. I then went to wireless, wireless settings, I changed the SSID to Pete's home and put it on channel 5 and then save my settings. Okay, that's all ready and ready to run now. Okay, everything's now installed. Let's see if we can get this to work. First of all, I've made a shortcut to the DNS redirection program, uh, which is in my C colon DNS REDIR subdirectory. So I double click on that and up should come up a blank white box. Then I go to the Abbas web server icon, double click on that, and that starts up my web server. If I right click on the uh, icon down the bottom and go to show console, we'll just make sure that the web server is actually running properly. Login. And it should say default host on port 80 running. It's very important to have any firewalls switched off or any programs or memory resident programs that actually listen on ports. Make sure they're switched off as well. That's all running pretty well, so we'll get out of that. And we'll just leave the DNS redirection box running. Uh, when uh, a query uh, comes through that uh, causes the program to uh, redirect uh, the DNS query. Some details should pop up in this white box here. Okay, we've configured the warm spot. Let's see if it works. I'm going to use my Asus EPC to try and log into the router here, and we'll see whether we can get our captive portal page coming up. Alright, the first thing I need to do is to go down to my wireless connection, view wireless networks, and there's my router there, Pete's home. So we'll double click on that and connect. It's acquiring a network address and we're now connected. If I have a quick look at that, it will tell me that my, the IP address that's been allocated is 192.168.1.100 that was allocated by DHCP and might even tell me that the DNS server is 198.168.1.199 which is good because that's the IP address of my standalone computer. Now if I open up Internet Explorer it says connecting to site 192.168.1.199 and lo and behold there's my Warmspot website. It says here, hi there, you've arrived at my test Warmspot here in Upper Camberwell. Thanks for visiting. And there's a picture there of uh, 
Puffing Billy, one of our local steam trains. Okay, let's see what's, uh, what's happened on my screen here with DNS Redirector. Uh, it's, I've now got an entry here and it's telling me that uh, it's redirected a DNS request from 192.168.1.100 which is uh, the IP address that was allocated to my EPC. And there you have it, proof of concept. The warm spot really works. However, I have to say it's still a little bit flaky and it probably needs to, the idea needs to be developed a little bit further. Uh, probably uh, some settings need to be uh, fixed up a little bit and also um, there would need to be some uh, firewalling and security put on so that people can't uh, hack in and uh, replace the web pages. But as a concept, uh, the ability to deliver a web page on a localised short-term basis, I think it works pretty well. That was quite interesting, Peter. Yeah, good job, Peter. Appreciate that. Not at all what we expected. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really true. Yeah. yeah, he always does a great job. He I does. appreciate all the help he does. No, I meant the warm spot. Oh, the warm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, different kind of warm spot. <laughs> I've got an email here. It comes from Ray, KJ4CNN. It says, George, I'm going to tell you a secret. Amateur logic got me into ham radio. I've been thinking about it for a long time and even studied back in the 70s, but never sat on an exam. Same thing with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I studied in the 70s, too, and never made it to the exam. Uh, he says, now at the ripe old age of 58, I stumbled across your videos and was instantly hooked. I saw how casual you guys were and how much fun you were having, and it struck me that I'd like to do that, too. Well, great, Ray. He says, I got my tech and general tickets right away and started studying for my extra, which I'll have, I'm sure, in January when I take my test. And uh, we haven't heard whether he took the test or not in January. He says, now I'm using a boat anchor, a Yezu FT-101EX, as well as uh, band-dedicated mobile and HT transmitters for 70 centimeters, 2 meters, and 10 meters with all kinds of wire antennas coming off my house. I'm sure his neighbors really appreciate us. <laughs> I'm solidly hooked and crazy for this hobby. Don't want to take up too much of your time, but did want to thank you and the guys for introducing me to this very nice hobby. And as a coincidence, I ran across Ray one night on uh, 3.820 megahertz the cam radio network that meets there oh, yeah. every night uh, around uh, 10 or 11 o'clock and they've got a group in the east coast and the west coast and we'll cover the cam radio network in a future episode yeah. but uh, Ray and I stumbled across each other there one night uh, just sort of by accident and uh, it was great to hear that uh, we got him into the hobby you know we've heard that from a few people yeah. and I always like to hear that. Yeah, and that's that's one of the main things the show is about, is encouraging people to get into amateur radio and how much fun it can be. Yeah, congratulations on your new ticket, Ray. Yeah. I've got an email here from Scotland, from Sandy. Um, says, hi, Tommy, love your shows, big fan. Love, <clears throat> excuse me, though my hobby is radio scanning, I have a question. What would be the best way to improve reception with an antenna? homemade for all of the bands from 25 megahertz through 954 megahertz. What kind of do-it-yourself antenna can I make? Um, a discone antenna, I guess, would probably be the most broadbanded scanner antenna. And uh, if you Google it, there should be several oh, yeah. plans that pop up for that. 
all kinds of information. Yeah. But uh, that's probably going to give you your broadest coverage, I think. And I have one last email here. Greetings from your Louisiana neighbors. I wanted to say I found your website by accident, but wow, what a find. I have to tell you that I really enjoy your adventures. And we've had a few yeah, <laughs> over the past 22 <laughs> or so episodes. George, you inspired me to attempt building and to check out different ways of doing things. In fact, suggesting looking it up on the web has a new meaning to me now. After seeing you do the SMT segment, I wanted to find out more. I, of course, had to check out the tools that you'd need for doing this, as they say. And uh, they're real proud of those tools. And Yeah, they are, and I don't own any of the real ones. <laughs> uh, he says uh, if he bought the tools, he wouldn't be able to afford any of the parts to <laughs> use with them. Good, yeah, good point. And he was doing some searching on the web, and he ran across a link on how to make a surface mount soldering iron. And here's the link right here. And I went and checked that out myself. And this came from Daryl, KC5DHP. And uh, I, I read a little bit about it. It looked interesting. And reading the comments on there, some people uh, thought it was great. And other people said it really didn't work like they, uh, like they thought it would. So yeah, your, uh, your mileage will vary, huh? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, I've got one from Ron, WD8SBB. He says, uh, Neham comment got me hooked on your site. Great job you guys do. <clears throat> I know it must consume a lot of your time. Your time is definitely contributing to a better hobby. In your surface mount show, you use an embosser lower, as he's talking to you, George. Mm -hmm. uh, being, being cheap, I was wondering if I could use my variable heat gun to perform the same function. I'm fairly sure it would get hot enough as I have unsoldered pipes with it. I would guess it would need to set at a reasonable temperature. What, <clears throat> excuse me, what might that temperature be? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what the temperature would be, and I'd suggest you do some research. It's probably going to be different for different components. And that heat gun will probably work because that little hot air embossing tool gets really hot. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I would caution you, don't use any more heat than is necessary to actually do the job. Yeah, probably want to experiment with that before you use your real project. Yeah. See what works I tried on some old surface mount boards and, mm -hmm. and see... Uh, what it takes to heat up the parts and get the solder to flow. Yeah, and that's into my emails. Well, I believe that's it for episode 23. It's been great doing one of these again. Yeah, it has. It feels pretty good. It does. So hopefully <laughs> so, it won't be uh, nine months or so before yeah. the next one comes out. <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> we, we have plans to uh, do some more in the near future here, and uh, Peter has already produced uh, several segments for us that uh, uh, will be entertaining from Australia. And, uh, you know, during the time off, I've been working on uh, a number of projects myself uh, that I'll be showing in future episodes of some real interesting um, mods and, and different things uh, that you can do with your ham radio gear that uh, really add a new dimension to the hobby. Yeah, that's some pretty exciting stuff you've been playing with. Yeah. Actually got me wanting to buy some more gear now. Well, that's that's what it's all about, <laughs> isn't it? It is. <laughs> Making your buddy want to buy more gear. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's it for episode 23. Thanks for watching, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. We'll see you again. Bye.